Hi, I uh, want to give a little quick uh, table of contents here. Um, there's going to be two large topics for tonight. The first topic is going to be a generalized overview of what's been going on with the industry, how we got to where we are today. That's going to take about an hour. And then in the second hour, I'm going to talk about VTA, uh, the Vapor Tobacco Association, which is uh, headed up by a guy named uh, Tony Abound and has a few different players and participants. Uh, a lot of which is comprised of tobacco companies and uh, we're going to talk about the amendment that was done to the coal bill. So the coal bill became the coal bishop amendment and so there's two things that are going along with the name coal in them. One is HR 2058. HR 2058 is a simple clean language asking and uh, changing the grandfather date from 2007 all the way into 2016 and the belief is that that would give us better ability to get applications passed through the FDA and get them done either not even need to have them done or to have uh, some additional benefits going forward of how to uh, get products approved uh, and then uh, what the VTA did um, along with RJR, which I will call their corporate overlords. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it's going to be a good show, I believe, so I'll go over why I would say something like that. But let's just uh, keep it simple at this point, uh, that the amendments that uh, were put in by VTA are ones that uh, the co-authors include notable companies such as National Tobacco, an assortment of cigar companies, uh, a very small and unheard of tobacco company which is RJ Reynolds uh, and Altria and uh, oh wait wait I have made an error uh, these are uh, RJR Reynolds is uh, the epitome of the word big tobacco and it's not even a word with these guys they are actually big tobacco as big as it gets and uh, if people aren't familiar with uh, this big tobacco uh, participant with along with VTA um, if you look back at the comments uh, there was a whole bunch of uh, buzz about uh, about uh, RJ Reynolds basically uh, putting into the deeming and doing press release subsequently of how they want to uh, make everything a sealed system and essentially outright ban uh, open systems and uh, the reason why they want to uh, ban open systems is because of things like uh, CBD uh, that they believe that an open system can be manipulated and and done uh, and then you'll you'll have uh, people pushing CBD products uh, to a bunch of kids um, and that's the fear uh, that's what they that's what RJ Reynolds uh, used as their logic for trying to close down all open systems the industry responded to that uh, in kind uh, and uh, they they went about uh, making sure that those pitfalls uh, wouldn't have happened. Uh, so that's kind of what's going on. Uh, if you're going to ask me what my opinion of VTA is, it's the worst fucking thing that we could have ever gotten and they came and popped onto the scene just about the worst particular time because they are now interjecting right as the deeming is going on. They're trying to get a new amendments pushed and these amendments essentially create a 
parallel and concurrent regulatory scheme that will operate at the same time as this other law. So people kind of think, well, what if they just treat vapor products as vapor products? Well, fine, great, great in concept, but uh, that's not what VTA is doing uh, or people that are supporting VTA. That's not what they're doing. Uh, what they're asking is that this whole new structure of regulation based off of electricity in the battery is applied to vaping at the same time and always at the same time as the Tobacco Control Act. So the Tobacco Control Act, if you have nicotine derived from tobacco, then it's a tobacco product. VTA, which and let's just let's call you know let's call it what it is. Uh, VTA was puppeted around by R.J. Reynolds uh, to push this bill into the coal of things, and essentially a poison pill, I think it'll be. Uh, and then, if your product has electricity in it, and this sounds stupid, and it sounds like you you know, but wait a second, you know, this is this is bad. Um, and it's getting sold and promoted by people trumpeting the virtues of ETA. So I'm being flippant and ironic and satirical and uh, just, uh, you know, flamboyant or hyperbolic and uh, just, just doing all that stuff. But no, this is bloody serious because R.J. Reynolds put the language in there that says they want to regulate the battery. Because they're regulating the battery in a mod, they have to control to have battery safety, you have to control everything in that mod that the mod uh, that the electricity touches. So the chip, the coil, everything else, because you can't have safety of that battery if you're not considering all aspects of what that battery is connected to. Besides creating this gigantic, you know, just Trojan horse into the industry. It also removes certain rights as far as advertising. Now, uh, as I've as I've said, and I, you'll hear me say later, yeah, maybe you don't think that you want to uh, to have uh, advertising in a magazine, uh, and and maybe you want you think it's a great idea if you advertise in the wrong magazine that your product can suddenly be misbranded and yanked off the shelf. Uh, Maybe you're not concerned about that because you think you're never going to do advertising. Well, if this stuff gets stuck in, it's over. I mean, 10 years from now, when uh, vaping is 75% uh, of the nicotine usage market, you're allowing uh, Big Tobacco to make a call that says we should be shamed and, and, and put down and uh, not allowed to advertise in, in, in places. Um, so you're losing a right, uh, and, and that is a uh, R-I-G-H-T. Uh, you're losing rights that you have now to express your yourself as a company and advertising a legal product in a legal way. Uh, and so that's everything that's being wrought upon us uh, by R.J. Reynolds through VTA. So, uh, you know... I'm going to spaz out on this, guys. Uh, if you think I'm going to spaz out, if I'm being spasmodic, yeah, I'll raise my hand and say, yeah, that's my job here. Um, so uh, that's what I'll do. Um, and But the thing is, uh, I think it is it makes all sense. And if people want to contradict it, I, 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 I say, fine, try. Be my guest.
And so that's what the show's going to be. Uh, there is going to be a special broadcast of the Vape Week on Tuesday. Uh, on Tuesday at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Uh, on the West Coast. Uh, there'll be a, a special, and it's going to be it's going to be covering, amongst other things. Uh, I'm going to be playing the FDA uh, press conference, which I don't think has been put out by anybody yet. So you'll get to hear the FDA press conference and and Zeller explaining things. And I'll be kibitzing on this broadcast, uh, stopping it and giving you my take on it. You'll get to hear that. And then it's going to be a question and answer period for anybody that wants to answer a question, ask a question, and I will give an answer to it. And so right now there's a lot of stuff shooting around there. And uh, all I can tell you is I don't, I probably don't have all the answers, but I, I've got a good number of them. And then I will try my best to answer it correctly. And uh, here's the deal, is that if you get an answer from me and you think uh, that uh, I'm wrong and you find somebody that wants to tell me I'm wrong or, or I mess it up, I will at least uh, I'll be uh, responsible to that and I will correct the record afterwards. But until then, uh, I think uh, I'll be able to answer some questions out there. And there's going to be another on the Plumes of Hazard, a show which you can find at the ohmpage.com. Uh, uh, they're going to have, I think it's going to be Kassaw, not uh, blowing smoke, and uh, and it might be somebody else uh, there. They're going to have a, a basically a guest panel to answer questions, and so that's fine. I support that. That's going to go. That's going to go on today, Monday at, uh, I believe they go at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern as well. Tomorrow you get to hear myself, and that'll be on the VP Live Network, and I'll be doing uh, sort of something like that. Uh, but it'll be different because I'll have the Mitch Zeller press conference and then uh, we'll go from there. Um, so there you are. Uh, I, I really like this show. I think it's uh, my best show yet. And uh, if you want to contact me, uh, go ahead at vapingindustry at gmail.com. Have a fun time. Enjoy. And uh, as uh, Rip Tripper says, smoking is dead. Vaping is the future and the future is now. All right, welcome to the vape week number 12. I am dragging ass. I shouldn't do a show. I'll probably regret it. Uh, I'm going to do a show. I'm probably going to regret it. So I need to uh, go ahead and uh, launch in some music to try and uh, reinvigorate the soul. So we'll see what happens. It's time to graduate.
Welcome to WVPL California Edition, Home of the Dolphins. <laughs> Alright, so uh, it's been a crazy week, and I shouldn't be doing a show, but I'm going to do a show. And uh, I, I've got a couple things that are on slate, and uh, I'm not going to be super organized. going to go over the entirety of the industry. And where we stand today will be the first topic and uh, the second topic will be VTA and the amendments so where are we today where are we at as the industry uh, so uh, vaping started 2009 FDA tried to kill it uh, Soterra they went back and and uh, fought back then after Soterra they appealed and uh, the FDA uh, did some quick studies. Uh, the study that they're still using, they found some uh, of the products had a little bit of nicotine in them when they said they were zero nick. Uh, that was done, I think, in 2010. That study, which was just done of just a few different items, is still being replicated today. Not replicated, rather, it's still being tossed out today and uh, you will find that little quick little sample and it was of a Chinese cart uh, cartomizer uh, that is where they are saying that some items uh, that say zero nick have nick um, so some really bad uh, data is uh, being pushed out to this day so from there uh, Sotera was appealed and after uh, the appeal they lost, they wanted to, uh, to try and put uh, uh, vaping as a medical device. Uh, they failed. And uh, from there, the FDA said that they would use the Tobacco Control Act. Because of the way that it was appealed and because that uh, smoke-free Pennsylvania uh, I think uh, it might have been uh, Jeff Steyer, I'm not sure about that one, but also Kassaw. They all said that the Tobacco Control Act of 2009, which is what the deeming uses, is applicable to electronic cigarettes and could be used to regulate them. So uh, we're stuck with this law because of the appellate court because uh, the amicus brief that was filed uh, from the vaping community or whatever was representing it back in 2010 said that they felt uh, they, they, they felt it important enough to lodge a brief with the court that was recorded along with the appellate and considered by the appellate court that vaping was able to be controlled by the Tobacco Control Act. I do not believe that there is any way that the Tobacco Control Act will not be governing of vaping given nicotine is part of the product. One of the things that was said by Mitch Zeller two years ago when he put out the conference call back then, and that's out on YouTube, it was put out by Kassaw, uh, and you can still listen to it to this day, uh, is... Zeller said that if the nicotine was not derived by tobacco, it would not be covered by this Tobacco Control Act. So that is uh, was something the FDA lawyer who now works at Venable, whose name is Ralph Tyler, said that one of the items is if a product could be made 
that has nicotine that was not derived from tobacco that it would not be controlled by the Tobacco Act. Uh, an interesting thing happened uh, about a year ago people caught wind of a company trying to create a nicotine, uh, a tobacco free nicotine and that has now been created. Um, it's called TFN, Tobacco Free Nicotine. There's a guy out there uh, that put a launched a product called Sour Dream. And Sour Dream is one of the ones that uses tobacco-free nicotine. And um, I'm going to have him on as a guest in the future uh, to talk about tobacco-free nicotine. Um, and so that's kind of an interesting thing. I've thought about this. Um, and I've thought about it in relationship to the, the entire deeming that came out. And um, it could well be uh, a complete solution um, to the problem. Uh, so uh, people need to think about that. Um, I mean, it is, from my understanding, something that costs about 20 times more than the standard nicotine. My understanding is that for a bottle, uh, it cost about two cents uh, for nicotine in, in a standard 30 mil bottle. So we're talking about 40 cents. Uh, that's a big jump, obviously. However, it is not a prohibitive jump. There could be capacity constraint of that, and uh, I will be looking into that. So uh, when with all the doom and gloom and, and dire uh, and freakouts, that should be kept in mind. Um, so, um, as I've said before, you know, I used to work at Intel. They kind of had a lock on the market. You more or less needed a one of those chips in your machine to, to be in the game. And it, there's a chance uh, that uh, this tobacco-free nicotine could be the same thing. Uh, and uh, a, uh, a Pentium definitely had a premium on it, and uh, TFN could well be. So uh, I will be having, his name is uh, Roland True Williams, uh, and his company is Holdfast Vapors. And uh, he's agreed to come on. It's just a matter of scheduling, and that would be good information for everyone. Um, and uh, that'll happen. Uh, so... From there, um, all the stuff happened where uh, between 2011, everybody was freaked out of what the FDA could do. Uh, we roll into 2014 and the deeming drops. Uh, from there, uh, there's a couple people that really did a lot of good work. Uh, somebody that is really, really mocked, uh, and I don't really quite understand why good old-fashioned hillbilly from the south gets mocked because he has a beard but Mr. Rip Trippers who has some sort of uh, thyroid problem and is now seeking out sort of uh, things to to figure out how to save his uh, save his beard I'm not sure what's going on with him medically but he does apparently vape so much that the PG is wicking the moisture out of his skin uh, which is not incomprehensible uh, given the amount of that he's vaped. Reason why I bring up Mr. Rip Trippers is because he, uh, of any of all the video reviewers that are out there, did the most uh, possible that could be done to get out comments to the FDA. He started a project. It was called uh, Free to Vape. That project generated 40,000 comments to the FDA. And those 40,000 comments uh, were 
uh, were, were a significant part of the 135,000 that came in. Of the 135,000 that came in, about 2,000 other ones came from vapors, uh, and then the rest all came from either anti-vaping or cigar people. So when people want to give this guy some grief uh, for whatever reason, I've seen people going around into, over to England and uh, getting up on stage and mocking the guy, uh, thinking they're they're really interesting. He's he, he got forty thousand comments in, and and each of those comments was sent to both of the senators and each of the congressmen for the for the person that sent it in. Um, and there were there were people thinking, oh well, they're not going to really do it. Well, if you look at the deeming, uh, everybody can look at it. It said, it, it said there was about 85,000, uh, 95,000 that were generated through the web. Um, I think it was about 85. And then uh, 40,000 came through uh, through hard copy. Uh, so anyway, so that happened. All the stuff with the deeming, everybody was talking about all that stuff. And, uh, and Rip uh, was really ahead of the game if you want to go back in time and look at his video that was put out uh, the day the demon dropped uh, his analysis of it was all correct um, and uh, what he had hoped for was the community to join together and to fight as a coalition uh, he was really early with that and uh, a lot of people really went to shoot that stuff down and uh, stuck porn into the website which stopped a lot of vapors we estimate about an additional 40,000 vapors did not use that website because of uh, of the attack that was done. So uh, from there, uh, the de the comments went in, um, and we waited for basically two years uh, for it to come in. Now, people had different interpretations of what the deeming was going to do. What happened with the, the deeming, what was understand, uh, understood from the deeming back then, the general belief was that it was going to cost millions and millions and millions of dollars to do a PMTA. There was some at first some examination of whether we could do a substantial equivalence to something else that was on the market. I did some research and I'm pretty sure that the Royan uh, was available at the time I posted that on ECF and then somebody that uh, who claimed to be the marketing director for Royan who I guess is now owned by Photom Ventures uh, is uh, said that the Royan actually wasn't on the market I don't know if that was uh, aggressive or 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 that was uh, I, I think it could well have been uh, strategic while that was said because I found websites I found articles I found all the information I thought I needed to show that the Royan was on there. However, it also when I remember looking back, the Royan used used a piezo type of mechanism to heat the coil. It was, you know, high speed vibrations somehow, which is I, I can't imagine that that would have been very effective. But I, apparently, they they did something like that. So it's not it's unclear if, if that would have even given the same. It would have been certainly a different coil technology for sure. So anyway, the FDA uh, has now come out saying that there was one predicate out there. I have not gotten to the point where I know what that one was, if it was a Royan or something else. However, uh, once that deeming dropped, I started talking to the FDA um, and I talked to um, 
one of the the people over there and they were able to put me into contact with one of the lawyers that actually wrote the some of the deeming and what i was trying to say uh to him was that if a product is on the market that it should be able to be used for substantial equivalence by other companies and he was more or less insisting that it was not true that you would have it would have to be your own company's product the best information how that that is bottomed out is i believe that is still the position of the fda is that a substantial equivalence must be done to a predicate product that was manufactured by you um so uh, i need to check that um and the other thing that i was uh talking to uh that lawyer about was if a product is approved under the regulatory scheme that was just released if it if if you go through and you successfully get a PMTA does that PMTA then become available for other products to go against in other words uh say i get a PMTA through i have now have a Mar uh, I am marketing a product that has gone through the entire PMTA process and the FDA has blessed it. It's on the market. What I said to them was that I now can go and say, I have a product that is substantially equivalent to that. And so I can use the substantial equivalence pathway against that. And again, we're, we're talking about 2014. Um, so what what they came back to me with was a very certain section uh, where there's an and and uh, rather than an or and so basically because it was an and uh, you have to have both rather than the or that you could have one or the other I believe that uh, the congressional intent as he explained as he said to me if you believe you're able to discern the congressional intent uh, better than us we certainly welcome your comments uh, which I so I did uh, I did put in the comments uh, to everything I'm talking about right now so I I do need to go back to see how they recognized it I have not checked it but what I was trying to maintain is that uh, the position for the industry was at least that if somebody gets one through that it can then be used for an SE pathway later. So that should save a lot of cost. I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I believe that they are gonna be able to successfully stand on the and rather than the or, uh, but I was prepared to and still prepared to argue that the congressional intent was that th the safety of the product is paramount and what is on the market is paramount. And if you are able to compare to some uh, a PMTA that is done afterwards that that should be a viable predicate product so if not and and the point is if you don't do that then you'll always have to go back to a predicate uh, and you'll always have to go essentially there'll be no predicates you'll always have to the predicate products will be frozen and even if we change the grandfather date uh, if the grandfather date is changed it's gonna be the same dilemma um, so this is something that, that I'm working on with a little project I call VIA, which stands for the Vaping Industry Alliance. And the premise of that is if you all get together, you can actually get past this thing. 
Uh, so I am, I am working on that. Uh, where I'm at now with that, if people are curious, is that there are enough companies out there that seem to have looked at this information and used their lawyers and spent enough money to where they believe they're going to be able to get past the PMTAs, which I say, yeah, it makes sense. I think you can too. Uh, However, what I am trying to do is to try and gather a group to get a larger section of the market. So instead of uh, going into a place that sells, uh, you know, uh, you know, three bottles of, uh, of liquor on the shelf, that you can go in there and you can still get the wide variety of all the different flavors. Um, and and that there there'll be the top shelf, the middle shelf, and the bottom shelf. That there'll be there'll be the same sort of dynamic market of flavors. So that's one of the things that that Via is attempting to do. I'm gonna uh, try and talk to a few more people and then do a bigger rollout. If you are interested in trying to do something with PMTAs, you are welcome to contact my email, which is vapingindustry at gmail.com, vapingindustry at gmail.com. And uh, I am still plugging away with that. So going back to uh, the deeming itself. So uh, the, the general belief back in 2014 is that the cost would be absolutely so prohibitive uh, that you would... Uh, you, you could never pass the PMTA. People put out numbers like two to $40 million for PMTA. They also applied the, the cool jargon of skew to that. So if a, if a, a product, if a company like Mountain Baker Vapor uh, had, uh, were to go after a PMTA process uh, without using some of the stuff that I'm talking about, they would essentially have to come up with about $4 billion to be able to get all their products through the shelves because each SKU was a different nicotine and then you add their flavor shops uh, pumps in there. It would cost about $4 billion according to people. So obviously um, that wouldn't happen. So that was the concern. Hold on. Beyond the absolutely incredible cost of the deeming uh, to to get uh, your e-liquid across, people believed because of the because of a poor reading of the documents that the deeming would cover hardware sans nicotine. So without nicotine, they they people thought that if you were to sell a tube uh, with a mechanical switch and a 510 female connector that you would not be able to put that product on the market without the FDA checking it out because it could be used as a flashlight or it could be used as a vaporizer. It could be used as a doorstop too. But the FDA, they, they think that uh, the FDA was gonna regulate that. that. That was a poor reading. And so I went blue in the face uh, trying to explain that if you actually read the documents, you see what they're trying to do and uh, that they're, they're not talking about hardware without nicotine sold by itself. They're talking about hardware sold with nicotine. In fact, everything in the deeming relates to nicotine. And that only makes sense given the Sotera decision. So if you don't have nicotine, uh, it's not a tobacco product. The end. So the FDA thought they would be very clear about that just to avoid confusion. Um, and uh, again, part of the vaping industry is that one person or two people will read the document, they will put out their take on it, and then 
everybody in the industry will will go and take to YouTube, start their own view to, uh, YouTube videos and say, yeah, this is what we think, this is what it is, and they will spout out these ideas as if they're the gospel handed down and people don't even know where it came from. Um, and so it's just like a long chain. So everybody believes that uh, if you have nicotine, uh, sorry, if you have a hardware product, say a tank, an RDA, uh, that uh, if you, you have a... Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, how about what? How about a tugboat? You got a tugboat out there, and uh, and that the, the people think that if you sell that tugboat in a sealed cellophane, you know, finished good product, people are saying, oh my God, they're gonna they're gonna stop the tugboats. They're gonna they're gonna ban tugboats. So the FDA thought in their wisdom uh, to to make a clarifying statement within the deeming document, and they said uh, something that goes along the lines of. The FDA is unaware of any product that does not contain nicotine that is a tobacco product. So again, FDA is unaware of any product that does not contain nicotine that is a tobacco product. It's pretty clear. We can slow it down. The FDA is unaware of any product that does not contain nicotine that is a tobacco product. They said it. They said it over and over. Um, people don't want to hear that. Um, people want to believe that the FDA is going to come and crush them. So, um, and and believe me, yes, uh, there is the potential that the FDA will come and crush you. Uh, but there, there are many uh, husks and dead bodies out there that the FDA has rolled over for right or wrong, and they can mow you down. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not taking the FDA lightly. I'm not saying that the FDA always does things correctly. But I'm saying that the FDA is a big, giant agency of the government. And uh, the, the one idiot that was doing something bad with a, far, uh, with a pharma, big pharma company or something like that doesn't mean you've got the same idiot. And so I'm aware that uh, Zeller uh, is has former uh, ties to Big Pharma. I'm not even sure if he actually was pushing uh, products like Chantix or not. So there, there was certainly all that talk going back on then that uh, that this is a, a a big problem because of Big Pharma. So I don't dis necessarily disagree with any of that, other than I believe that the science is going to win. So when Zeller says it's science-based, um, a science-based regulatory scheme, and that's what they're going to do at it, um, I take him on his word. And people right now are, are flipping out they're, just because I said I'll take Zeller at his word. Well, why shouldn't I? I have to. Why? What? 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 What benefit would it be to do anything other than that? Because, you know, when I had a listening session with him, well, actually, he wasn't there. But when I talked to him and uh, at the uh, second FDA, you know, I shook the guy's hand. I told him what VIA was. The guy told me, oh, it sounds like an interesting idea. Uh, that was all I needed. I, I ducked out because I was, uh, I was uh, going up to him before the conference started. Uh, and then when I talked to him later on, uh, when I was asking him about the hardware, I, I did bother to, because when I was at there, it just so happens with the luck of a, luck of a wolf, I, I stuck, uh, I sat down right, uh, I picked a seat right up in the front, and it was right be uh, behind the second or the first row, which is all strung off. So I'm sitting there. And lo and behold, uh, Zeller sits right directly in front of me. So uh, the whole thing was a little bit delayed. Uh, so uh, what am I going to do? Uh, he was talking to somebody else. He stopped talking to him. I'm sitting there 
twiddling my thumbs. So I tap him on the shoulder and I said, yeah, what about that hardware in, in the, in the uh, thing? It's, it says clearly that you can't regulate it because it doesn't have nicotine, but some people are very confused. Can't we get some clarification, yada, yada. And then uh, his response was, um, you know, it's only a proposal. That's only what the proposal is which wasn't a fantastic answer, but he heard me. And uh, bottom line is you're going to have to work with the guy. And the guy says that uh, he wants to, um, he wants to be science-based, science-based regulations. So VIA's tagline is science-based advocacy. You want to match it. And the reason why you want to match science to science is because does anybody who is a vapor disagree that the science is on our side? Uh, well, that was the theory back that I had in 2014. If you look at what the uh, the Royal College of Physicians in Great Britain, they just they just dumped enough science uh, in everybody's laps to to easily document and demonstrate the value of, of electronic cigarettes. So we're still stuck with the FDA regulating us by the deeming, uh, which is now the final rule. So uh, people thought that the hardware was bad and they thought that the, what was other stuff? So there was three points uh, with the deeming. One is that you'll never get past the PMTA. Uh, I don't know if anybody else was looking at the SC pathway and, and how it would be available after a first successful PMTA product was done. I'm still looking at that. Then people thought the hardware was an issue. And then the, the third thing, um, what was the third thing? Ah. Uh, I'm going to pretend that I'm vaping right now while I try and fix a brain freeze. I forgot my point. Uh, so anyway, the deeming, uh, deeming hit. And so people uh, tried to organize and, uh, would, oh yeah, the third, the third item was the theory of lawsuits. Uh, people thought that Soterra won their lawsuit. And so we'll just have to do it again. Uh, So people started planning for the lawsuits. Now, I have still yet to see a cognizable theory of how a lawsuit will win against the deeming regulations, which are now the final rule. I looked at the one from Halo, and I've talked to Patricia before and I very, very much respect her. I, I believe she's, she's, uh, she, she knows what she's doing. She is the first lawyer to get through uh, an application through the Tobacco Control Act. She's the very first. And now that was for a packaging change on a cigarette. However, it was still the same regulatory process. She did it. So she was the first. So uh, I, I've talked to her, um, and she used to be at Blue. And, um, and so I, I very much appreciate her, and I've watched her, um, and, and she's now at Halo. So I've watched uh, Halo's videos that she's done, little web seminars about the deeming. Uh, I've talked to her subsequently to that too, and uh, I agree with most of what she says. Um, and and some of the stuff that she's said um, about, uh, we agree on things like that the initial uh, the initial PMTA will be significantly more expensive than all the subsequent ones, and so much like a process industry, uh, the incremental units of PMTA applications will go down significantly in cost for the company that is doing them. 
so that is again the premise of via um, so with you should go and look at her webinars uh, and I think it's under halo sigs or it might be under Nico pure um, and she just did another one which I just skimmed it's about a 20 minute one um, so the theory was of lawsuits now Nico pure has put out a lawsuit and it's a 15 page and if you if you're on Facebook I posted it out so everybody has a copy of that um, and so you can read the full 15 pages I have skimmed the full 15 pages uh, and I'm, I'm fairly familiar with legal documents and I think I can read them well uh, and uh, I've, I've litigated only two cases however I've won them and uh, and I'm not a lawyer though uh, so go figure uh, if I read that that case it to me it boils down to is something or another about samples uh, and since samples aren't a big problem I just ignored all of that stuff uh, there, there's an easy workaround to the sampling issue and that is you either charge people uh, for the samples or, or you uh, you for like a, a show I put out this idea about uh, a month ago if you're running an expo part of your attendance at the beginning when you pay your your five bucks to get in uh, is you get a set of tickets those tickets are good for samples so you have these tickets you make uh, you go to a good printer you maybe put a hologram on there so somebody can't duplicate them very easily and if you go in you get 10 little tickets maybe five tickets and those tickets are good for samples provided that the vendor that is there still has samples to give people will run out of samples at some point you put a little disclaimer if people run out of samples you don't get a free sample with your ticket sorry you're out of luck so you can easily do it easily uh, have free samples still going on in shows I just heard somebody uh, proclaim that a show in California was going to cancel because they were so fearful of the FDA cracking down on the free samples that is the the biggest bunch of horse hooky that I've ever heard uh, and if that if there is which I I severely doubt that there's a, a you know a, a company that is putting on a show that is thinking of canceling it because of the sampling rule if if there is that company out there you do not need to worry and there's easy workarounds even if you believe that's a problem uh, so the, the the easy workaround for a shop is that you charge a quarter for uh, somebody to go into the tasting bar and with that quarter you hand them a sealed in cellophane rubberized drip trip so they can actually taste uh, and be sanitary at the same time and uh, and then if once they do their purchase they get a refund of their 25 cents if they buy uh, $10 or more you can do any sort of thing or you can just have them that's the bill uh, that's the cost of to, to taste e-liquids is 25 cents I think if you're worried about your customers being so cheap that they don't want to do that you give them a credit back on the receipt and then there's like no harm no foul the other thing that you want to do is that when you sell them for that quarter, that drip tip, you got to card them right there. And that will be a good process for the individual store. So if the FDA comes running in to try and check to see if you're selling to 18-year-olds. So Patricia's lawsuit, actually it's not her lawsuit. When I look at the end of it, it it's not her that put it together. So that gives me a little more confidence in Patricia too. That the that Nico Pierre's lawsuit 
has some stuff about a drip tip. Um, sorry about uh, free samples. Um, just I, I just ignore all of that because it's not a big thing. And then there might have been something with the First Amendment. Uh, I don't think the First Amendment thing's going to fly. And then, but then the main brunt of the case is, uh, dear FDA, this is so costly, so cost prohibitive that you're going to put us out of business. And uh, because of that, we're going to sue you. And we want the judge to tell you that you can't do this to us because it's going to be so terrible. And uh, we don't want to let you do it. Now, you're going to have a judge come up and look at this, and they're going to go, so we have the Food and Drug Administration that is in in the popular culture, and, and to the same judge, known for protecting the public's health and well-being by regulating the food and drug supply system in the United States. And so the judge is going to go, and so you're saying that the FDA believes that this product that didn't exist through 2009 needs to go through some checks and measures and you're saying that you don't want to do any of that and you want me to just write a new law and throw out the FDA's law. And then Nico Pierre is going to go, yes, Your Honor, that's a good summation of our case. And the Your Honor is going to go, okay, uh, thank you for your summation. Uh, I'm going to take this back to my desk and uh, I'll give you a decision in the morning. The next morning, he's going to come back and say, or she's going to come back and say, got to be PC and everything. The, the, her honor comes forward and says, you know what? I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with the FDA out of an abundance caution. I think that you might need to go ahead and do this for the health and well-being of the public. And your case is going to die. Uh, you're not going to win. I don't think that case has any chance. Uh, you you're, you have to get a judge saying, oh, uh, it, it's very costly to protect the health of the of the public. Uh, they're going to, as they say, uh, they're going to give great deference to the FDA. And uh, you're going to have to show them that the law created by Congress to do the very thing that, that the FDA is doing and signed by the president is, is not, it needs to be, you know, thrown up in a little bowl and thrown away. I don't think that case will work. Another case to go after the uh, the deeming, uh, the final rule, is uh, something that I have a small amount of information on, uh, but not enough. Uh, and that is the Right to Be Smoke-Free Coalition, which is R2B Coalition, has a lawyer involved with it, two of them actually, uh, but the main one is uh, Keller Heckman, Azim Shahandre, and I think there's a person named Eric, and then there's sort of a satellite lawyer that associates with them through the Indiana side, which his name is Greg Troutman, what I would consider a friend of the show. And they have... Uh, in some sort of matrix amongst them all have been analyzing the deeming as it's been coming through and they've got their best shot uh you know have analyzed how to go about it and uh they they're not they they've they've talked about what they think is appropriate and what things they can do some of what there are what some of the tools that there's higher probability and lower probability things that Azim was talking about and uh, so he wants to get the higher probabilities in one, but as a question of funding, you might want to throw a few extra torpedoes in the water, even though they're lower probability of hitting the ship. <sighs> so that, to me, looks like a very good thing. The The benchmark for that lawsuit was if it can be, if they can get $200,000, they're going to be able to launch that thing. And it's going to be, 
done in a better way than the one by Nicopure. In fact, what was said uh, is that the Nicopure one was filed so quickly. I mean, the exact, it was fi filed on day zero, not even the next day. It was, it was filed on the 10th, which was the day that the, the rule actually became a rule. It was done so fast that that accelerated the time frame that Azim needed to do to file his. So he's working on that. I have every reason to believe, uh, based off of the comments and other things, that he's got a good angle on it, as as good of an angle as possible, um, for for a, a challenge on the federal level to the the the. Uh, the documents. He said openly that uh, any any other lawyers or any other efforts, he'd be happy to work uh, with any of them. Um, and so th there's that one, and I believe uh, there are some other ones. Uh, there's there's I think some rumblings that Safada may coordinate one, but they may not. I don't know exactly what their position is. I I know it was uh, mentioned. Uh, that uh, there there could be another one, uh, a federal lawsuit on the same par, the same quality, the same level, the same uh, acuminium as Azim's. Uh, and so that that would be certainly a welcome thing. And Azim made it clear that if if somebody else, if another significant law firm comes out there, uh, he he's all for that and would work with them to whatever degree he could. Um, so that's good news. Um, one of the things I would like to do is to get Azim on the show. Um, that's not happening tonight. So those were the three things with the deeming. Unfortunately for me, my position is that I don't think that the federal lawsuits are going to have as much of a great success as they are, have been hoped for. I don't think it's an easy haul. Let's let's give it let's be aggressive of the chances of a federal lawsuit. Thirty five percent. They'll give it at one in three. That's aggressive. Um and I don't think anybody's even saying it's a, that, that high. Um but let's just go even let's be even have more faith in, in the lawyers that, that they've got something that they can really go after it. That and, and I heard the number is more closer to ten to fifteen. Uh it's not a high chance. It's just not. It's not a high chance. I don't think it's going to work. And and the reason why I don't think it's going to work, even though I absolutely believe that it should be tried, uh, and I and I believe it should be tried under Azim's case. Maybe they'll merge with Nicopure, but I believe Azim has an angle on it. And and uh, I I get, let's just say it. I'm a fanboy of Azim Shahandre out of Keller Heckman. I'm a fanboy because uh, I've been reading his stuff. If you search for Keller Heckman, put Azim's name in, A-Z-I-M, then uh, search for a PDF, you'll find that he's been publishing stuff on, on, the, uh, on the whole Tobacco Control Act for years and years and years. And so uh, when, when the deeming hit, I reached out to him because I was reading his documents and the guy picked up the phone. And so... Uh, I think that if anybody has an angle, he does. And if he says that a different law firm that is doing it a different way is 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 a complimentary lawsuit uh, to the one that he's doing, I would absolutely believe as him. Uh, so, all that said, the uh, the odds of a federal lawsuit, I I don't I don't think it'll work because of the appellate decision and what Casaw and smoke-free Pennsylvania said. They said that this law could be applied to electronic cigarettes. 
and now the law is being applied to electronic cigarettes. So now the question is not whether or not the law can be, the, the question is whether they're doing it correctly. And for them to be doing it incorrectly, they have to start doing it incorrectly and you're not going to have the evidence to show them of the damages before you're screwed. So the, the, the FDA is going to go, well, they're saying it's going to cost for, for all this money, but, you know, we put in our document, it's going to cost them $120,000 to put in an application. And then the judge is going to go, $120,000? You want me to throw out this entire law to protect the safety because a company that has millions of dollars of sales doesn't want to sell, uh, spend $120,000 to make an application? Oh, excuse me, gavel, gavel you know, dismissed. So you're going to have to have a PMTA start to fail, I think, before a judge is going to take notice. That's just, you know, thinking off the cuff. Um, And then people are obviously going to point to the snooze example. Well, that's what something that Zeller did. Zeller said, because of the snooze example, we know that the PMTA process can work. Now, people say, oh, he just did that as a stunt. They, the FDA just did that as a stunt, and they just, you know, they're doing that just to, to make the excuse. Well, absolutely, they are doing that. In fact, Zeller said in the phone call, we'll hear a little later on, he says, yeah, knowing that, uh, that, that snooze has gotten by this process, we know the process is capable. There's a lot of reasons why that is an important thing that the snooze application went through. So I don't think, I, I think it's going to be hard to show damages. I don't think a lawsuit's going to work. I think that the appellate court has validated this and that uh, CASA and uh, Smoke Free Pennsylvania and some of these other organizations uh, have already said that the law is applicable to them. And so you're going to have to have the law go wrong before before you can have damages or or standing and so maybe you can say that my first amendment's rights are are not uh enabled because i can't label my product with uh with the safety warnings that i prefer and i just think that any reasonable judge is going to say you're complaining about your first amendment rights because they want you to say that this product is no no safer than uh, than a cigarette that's your that's your entire complaint well no i don't agree with the fda's communication there but you know they're the fda i'm a judge you know if you have an issue with that take it to the fda but i'm not going to overturn the fda those are the things that i think are more likely to happen so uh, from there, we're stuck now with the deeming. So we're, we're you know, uh, you know, transport to current day. Uh, we're now at um, the deeming has has. Uh, we're on the tenth or or last week on Thursday, if you want. But uh, we'll just use the tenth. It's five ten, five ten day, which everybody anticipated was going to be a fantastic day for vaping. We were talking about it on Facebook, 510 day, like the 410 day, yay. No, sorry, like the 420 day, yay. We're going to have this, you know, obviously 420 day has worked. Uh, Colorado, the rest, I mean, 420 days had traction, yay. And and people, oh, I saw it and it said 510 and, and 510, I, I get it, I get it, I get the, it's the connector, I get it. And I thought it was a damn, I think it's a good idea still. It's a great idea, 510 day. It's, we should keep it. Uh, but 
the FDA, I don't know if they intended to do it. I don't, could you imagine the diabolicalness of somebody in the FDA that was going to say, let's get this thing to land on 510 day? Could you imagine how diabolical that guy would be to have done that? Uh, that'd be amazing if they actually did that and pulled it off. Uh, but uh, they also, the, the, the deeming that... The, California writes in and they make it illegal for 18, 19, and 20-year-olds uh, to, to vape and smoke cigarettes. They, they, they outlawed vape for a large section of California. The next day, the, the, uh, that night, I think the, uh, the deeming, uh, we get word that it's coming. And then the next day, after uh, Governor Brown of California signs in the uh, "You Must Be 21 to uh, Vape" law, uh, that uh, they announce that the deeming the, the the deeming comes out, and then it becomes active on May 10th, 5:10. Just the the confluence of dates. Um, the phone in lines are 347-308-8329. If you would like to make a comment, if you have any idea, if you would like to yell at me, if you would like to voice frustrations, you are welcome to call. I'm vaping at 6.3 watts. I'm going to go dangerous and I'm going to kick it up to 6.5. It's a new coil. I don't want to burn it though. The count in the mount is 6.5, 3.52 volts, and 1.91 ohms. Battery battery is at about 40% using the lipo tripack packaged with a jog wheel rather than buttons all right so the deeming drops and uh oh shit hits fan everybody freaks out uh, panic in the streets uh, just just terrible and it is uh, i don't mean to be flippant uh i only mean to be flippant uh and so a lot of information has come out, um, and some some people did cursory looks at it. I have only done a cursory look at it. I have not read all of it, and there are some items in there, in the 499-page document, that people have picked out, uh, and they said that are issues. So, a request to the chat room, which is filled with some people. I, I tend to not announce these things because I don't think anybody's going to show up on a Friday night. But if anybody would like to go to the 499-page document and pick out a section where where I'm still saying that the the deeming the final rule cannot go after hardware without nicotine, and it's abundantly clear. The challenge to the listeners, the 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 great and gentle listeners out there, is to Pick a page out of the 499 and pick a uh, comment number and tell me which one uh, that I should address in, speci in specificity, uh, and I'll be happy to do that. So with the, the deeming, what I was saying back in 2014 is that I looked at the substantial equivalence exemption pathway that went through the same exact process as the deeming. And if you read the final rule, the FDA says, we read all the comments. This is the comment we got. We read it. We disagree. We read this comment. We agree. And the more or less, the final result is nothing got changed from what they proposed and what they got out at the end. 
And uh, so if you're dealing with somebody that thinks that they got it straight the first time and they ask for feedback that, and they go, well, we listen to your feedback, we still got it right the first time. So that's what I always expected with the deeming. And that's what happened. The final rule is essentially everything's the same thing as was expected. Uh, it's not, it's, there's, there's only, and, and again, I haven't read the whole thing, but I've looked at the analysis. I've seen what people have said. And uh, I've looked at what I've looked at. And the only thing that I can see that was not anticipated in the first go round was the, the 90 days, the freeze date. I did not uh, anticipate the freeze date. Uh, VIA did not anticipate the freeze date. Uh, it kind of makes sense that a freeze date would happen. And as I said, I think in a previous episode, I have a meeting with the FDA and I am going to try and change the freeze date. I think what I shall try and propose is that the freeze date uh, be given, that an extra amount of freeze date allotment is gathered by those companies that file a registration with the FDA. That seems like a fair trade. Uh, if you say, hello, FDA, we're out there, you get more time. I would like the freeze date to be the end of the year. Uh, and I think that's entirely reasonable. Um, and I think, I don't think there's a single person out there that can disagree with that effort. If anybody disagrees with me using the time that I have scheduled with the FDA to have a listening session to try and get that done. If anybody disagrees with trying to make the 90 days longer, you can reach me on Facebook. It's Edward A. Wolf. You can send me an email, vapingindustry at gmail.com. You can type in the chat and uh, you can talk, contact me any, any of the number of ways you would like. I think that nobody should dispute that that should be attempted. And I think because I've always said you want to work with your regulator rather than, you know, just throw rocks at them. I, I can't think of any reason why not to ask them. And I think it's entirely in their discretionary thing. So uh, I don't think anybody else has said this. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm going in um, and uh, we'll see what happens. I think it's entirely reasonable and uh, either it will fail uh, and uh, nobody will care or it will work. And I see no, absolutely no, zero downside to, to making the ask. And I see zero downside to getting it. The only thing, okay, maybe there is a zero downside. Maybe if you wanted to sue to get the same thing and the FDA just does it, then you don't get the sue to have it happen. And then it's just done. I, maybe, is that a bad thing? Uh, because it takes out a, a leg from a lawsuit uh, because you got what you wanted. I don't think that can really be a bad thing. So if anybody has any reason why not to try and get uh, the FDA to use their discretionary abilities to change the date of the 90 days, which is all within the hands of the FDA to do, uh, it's their choice. And uh, my argument will be it's needed for small business. And uh, that might mean um, that it would not apply to companies that are greater than five million. But the Mitch Zeller has said openly that he wants to help small business, and he wants people to reach out to him. Here I am. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to speak out. Where we're going? Um, so the the deeming is out there. The lawsuits are not likely to win, though we should support the lawsuits. The deeming still says that they cannot control nicotine. It came out exactly as expected. And we, what we see is the language talking about some things that people call contradictory. And while they may seem contradictory, uh, I believe 
that they still make sense. And the one that I saw that was the most contradictory was where it said that a tobacco product without nicotine will not need to have a nicotine warning. However, it will need to say that it's made from tobacco. And so everybody's reaction that I have seen is, oh my God, how on earth can they do this? They're insane. What, what the hell is going on? And the example that I will use is decaffeinated coffee. I think that's what they're talking about. Uh, that if a product is made from, and we'll just start, we'll use the entire example with, with coffee, and then you'll see how it should translate right to the, what the, the way the deeming is written. If I take a coffee bean and I roast it, and then I then go through an immaculate process that rips out all of the nicotine. Now we know that you can never can do that. Sorry, it rips out all of the caffeine. Now you can never do that. There always will be traces. But in this scenario, the, the decaffeinated coffee is done with such precision. There literally is no caffeine in it. None. Then you make a cup of coffee out of this bean or whatever and if if you label that how what are you going to label it you're going to label it you're still going to have to label it as, as as coffee it's still coffee so if you take the nicotine out of uh, sorry I, I messed that up if you take the caffeine out of coffee and you make a cup of coffee it's still a cup of coffee so if you have a tobacco product if it's made from tobacco, however, the parts that are made of tobacco include no nicotine, you still have to say it's made from tobacco. That's what that says. That's what it's going after. And there's some natural flavorings from tobacco, and that's what it is. Um, so I think, you know, there's, there's that paragraph that people were pointing out to, and then there's some other ones that are talking about all components of a tobacco product uh, that are intended to change the, the nature of the tobacco product, whether they're sold uh, independently or not, are tobacco products and can be regulated by the act. There's something that goes along that, that line. So what does that mean? I mean, that sounds terrible. Uh, it can only be interpreted as terrible is what I'm told. Well, what I believe is what everybody's missing is that they're talking about a finished tobacco product. So they're, they start with a tobacco product. And that's everything that flows from, from that is still talking about a tobacco product. If you don't have a tobacco product, and the FDA says clearly they are aware of no products that do not contain nicotine that are tobacco products. If you start with a finished good product that doesn't have tobacco, like a RDA, it's never a tobacco product. It will never go into the path of tobacco products. What, that's, what that whole section is, is for a tobacco product. Therefore, it does contain nicotine and or components of a leaf that are not nicotine, but let's just say nicotine. Uh, that, that if it has uh, components of tobacco, it has nicotine, and it's a finished goods tobacco product, that the components that go into that, whether they're sold independently or not, are going to be a tobacco product, blah, blah, blah. It has to be a tobacco product. Now, uh, the examples before that I used were V2. And so that quick example will be um, if you have a V2 cartomizer and 
you sell that and then you also sell the V2 battery, they have to be married together. And that's the only way that you can use that product. They, you need that the, the specific threading. The, the new products from V2 use magnet connectors, so it's even more obvious that the two have to be used together. Uh, but if you have that, that cardamizer and you have that battery and then you're selling them and, and you sell them as a complete unit that ha contains nicotine, that is a tobacco product. If you're also on that same website selling the battery just by itself uh, that, that could be used uh, that has to be used uh, with their cardamizer. They're just saying we're gonna we're gonna cover that too. So you can't make something and and say uh, you have you sell it as a finished goods, but also somewhere else on your site you sell just the battery. You also sell just the uh, the the top half, and you sell it. You sell the three pieces independently, and then you you have to get your thing through the regulation for the completed unit with the with the nicotine in it and then you you think that you can just sell them in, in a separated kit and have the people assemble them at their house uh you know and put it together uh, as a kit um the FDA is saying no you don't get to do that that's what that's saying to me that's all it's saying so a better example that I was thinking of when I was driving today is actually vapor shark and uh, I think vapor shark is going to have to put through their, uh, I say, a, 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 a DNA, an RDNA 40. Oh, well, let's say a DNA 200. Um, and because that has software. Um, but the, the DNA, it, they, they sell the e-liquids, they sell the tanks, and they sell the, uh, the, um, the mods all on their same website and they're all branded vapor shark so i think that vapor shark for those things is going to have to do some regulatory compliance with uh, the dna products that they sell that they will have to do that and i think uh if i were to talk to those guys i, I have met those guys at the show I've, I've even pitched them via uh i'm waving to them in my hand in my memory uh so uh that uh I do think that they're they're willing to take on that burden, and I believe that's because they're working with Evolve, and I know that Evolve has obviously stated that they are going to be working on the compliance of their chips, uh, their patented chips with the FDA. In fact, the FDA has even given uh, Evolve a contract to do some research uh, in regards to electronics. I think there's something like that. It's been a while since I heard that and I haven't looked it all up but but evolve in the game for regulatory and compliance that they're not just you know making and designing patenting the chip they are actually trying to create an ecosystem where their products are their chips are used in products that will have a life in the world after the regulations they are definitely spending their money at doing that Brandon and uh, the other guy uh, super genius guy with the blonde hair I don't know his name right now but uh, they are definitely in the game. Uh, they are definitely trying to keep products in the market. So VaporShark also makes e-liquids. And we know the, the great service that VaporShark did by publishing all the testing that they did. They make devices. They make e-liquid. They're going to be like V2. They're probably going to have to go through the regulatory compliance. And that's what that section of the 499 pages is talking about. And I think, I haven't talked to them, but I think... Vapor Shark is, is is standing up to that game. They 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 are ready to they are prepared to fight that. Now there's other people that are just going to be selling a RDA. And let's uh, there's uh, you know Dino Dino sells an RDA somewhere in the world, uh, and 
that is just a hunk of metal with a, a little insulator in there and uh, some machining on it and uh, that's it. It's, it's a hunk of metal and a connector. Never has nicotine. It can never be regulated. Um, and and that, that's not, that, that goes for every single RDA sold independent of nicotine. They're all could be used for things like water or any other thing uh, that, that people want to put in there. Maybe somebody wants to go and blow fog. So what they do is they, uh, I don't know. I, I, the example I used back in 2014 is uh, I'm going to put water into my vaporizer and then I'm going to vape pure 100% water and I'm going to call my vaporizer, my personalized, my uh, my PhD, <laughs> personalized humidifier device, and uh, that's what I'm doing. I, that's that I use it for water, just because sometimes I find that the air is too dry, so I can vape water. Uh, there's no way they can stop that. So I, I and and so the FDA, as I said back in 2014, said we're not going after the hardware, um, and so um, they said they hadn't even studied it. So I'm still waiting uh, for the challenge. Um, about um, the question I got was for HR 2058 and yes I will be getting to HR 2058 next um, and that's going to come in relationship to VTA um, so I'm still saying that uh, people have said uh, that I should just back down and uh, as far as the hardware um, and and as, as I've said before when I went to the FDA I decided to use my public comments to talk about uh, the um, I wanted to set up a lawsuit, and which I did. Uh, so I said in my public comments that uh, after I spoke to Zeller and I mentioned uh, that it, it clearly says that they hadn't even studied the cost of, of doing this uh, to regulate hardware. So what I maintained uh, and what I said to them, uh, and it's on tape, uh, and it's in the record, it's in the transcripts, uh, is that they said that they're not going to regulate hardware without nicotine. And because they said that, people read the deeming document with good faith, and they realized that they had the opportunity to comment. However, the, the FDA was clear that they would not regulate hardware without nicotine. And thus, I said, the reason why they don't have a bunch of hardware manufacturers writing in a ton of comments and standing up and doing a gigantic protest is because the FDA was so clear in the deeming. And so if you if you're asking for public comments and you're saying you're not going to regulate it and which it does say they're not going to regulate it there there they they would have to open up a new public comment period um, if they were going to go after it. So if for some reason, the FDA goes rogue and tries to start regulating batteries and starts to trying to regulate a mod and tries to start to, to regulate a tank that could be used for any type of thing that is sold independent and without nicotine as part of the finished product. I believe a strong case will be enabled and if anybody is going to pick up that case, I'll be happy to give them the information I just said. And uh, it's on the record. It's already out there. You don't even need to ask me if you really wanted to. You could just take it. Um, so that's where the deeming stands now. Everybody doesn't know. The, the whole thing is the 90 days. The 90-day freeze, it didn't anticipate. So basically, you have to have all your products on the market uh, in 90 days or you're frozen out until you have a PMT application. 
uh, people need to start doing PMT applications after 90 days or um, they have a chance of having their products pulled off the shelf. How the I've, I've talked about this before, I'm not going to talk about it now, but the FDA has uh, inspected 160,000 retail locations last year and so it, they have the capability to inspect every single vape shop uh, in the United States uh, on a flip of a switch. Do, can they go after every single smoke shop and vape shop? No, probably not. I bet the smoke shops are going to have it a little bit easier. But if it's a dedicated vape shop, they can capture every single one and uh, and go after them. So they can walk into all these places. What I think that if they're going to do is they're going to hand out registration numbers, and then every bottle is going to have to have a registration number. And if you, they'll take a they'll make an app, and the app will have a picture of the products that are in the registration database, and then they'll send the public health people out there, and they'll take it with their little scanner and scan the QR code, and then they'll pop up a picture of the uh, the bottle, and if the bottle doesn't match the picture that's in their little database, then they're going to seize your product and take it away. So, yeah, sure, they can do it easily. Um, so you better want to work with them rather than piss them off. Let's talk about pissing them off. Hold on, that's the next topic. Pissing them off, VTA. All right, so the question is from Shelly, and Shelly asks, uh, HR 2058 was moved to the Energy and Something Regulations Committee, and that's the one I, way I refer to them to is something or another committee. Uh, on 510 also, is it still live, or, or has it been dismissed yet? My understanding on HR 2058 is that it has a lot of support. Last I Last I heard, it was about 50 different uh, people were on that board with that thing. 50 out of 435 is not 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 bad, you know. 50 out of 435, uh, that's pretty good uh, for something like this. I, I think that HR 2058 has a good chance, and I think it'll only gain attention now because uh, the deeming is hit. So now it's not a theoretical. Let's change it and fix it. Now it's like this is real. Uh, Congress can act and do something effective, and it can do something effective that affects 10% of their constituents. Um, and as I said uh, in a different show, the best data that I have is a 5,700-person uh, survey that indicates that 10% of the United States adults vape, and there's 240 million adults, so that's 24 million vapors in the United States, of which 75% of them have uh, are still dual users, which makes 18 million, which means that... I need to publish this. I need to. I need to publish or perish. Uh, there are six million people in the United States that are actively vaping and use that to quit cigarettes entirely, according to CDC data. Good news. Uh, so HR 2058 uh, is um, it's still going, and so. HR 2058 is a simple thing. It, all it does is change the grandfather date. So, or the predicate date, whichever you prefer. So currently it's February 15th, 2007 uh, is the date which is the, where things are grandfathered. What that bill is trying to do is to change it to 5-10-2016. Um, or it might be trying to change it to 90 days plus. It might be trying to take, take it to August 8th. One of the two. The thing is, the actual date of the change of the grandfather date is still a coin flip because in the committees it can be changed around. Uh, you know, it would be helpful if it could be changed to 2015 rather than 2017. So there, there's, there's some uh, horse trading that can still be done with the date 
where 2058 might not give everything that we hope for, but instead of creating amendments that screw with people, you can, you know, play with the date a little bit. Maybe you, you set it to the end of 2015 uh, or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I think people gave up on HR 2058 a little too too soon. My understanding, and if I'm wrong, uh, somebody will, I'm sure will correct me, is HR 2058 is a live. It is well as far as it has 50 people, 50 out of 435 uh, that are that are on it, and it has a chance to grow. It's a it's no longer a seedling. It's it's uh, it's a little uh, it's 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 about uh, as far as a uh, if 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 the tree needs to grow to uh to a hundred feet tall, it it's it's five feet tall, it's ten feet tall, it, it's it's sitting there, it, it's it's not getting blown over by the wind, it's 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 in good shape, uh, relatively speaking. It's 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 alive, and modestly well. However, what was done is something uh, called a a was put in the Agricultural Appropriations Committee, which is called the Cole Bishop Bill. And it was tried last year, it failed, and that was just the Cole Bill, the Cole Amendment. Now it's called the Cole Bishop Amendments. And this is something that uh, the Vapor Tobacco Association, I'm, the, I'm sorry, the Vapor Technology Association has put out. Um, and what they did is they put out a the evolution of VTA poster, and they're taking absolute 100% credit and control over this amendment uh, in that evolution poster. And if you look at the VTA press releases uh, and you listen to some of the podcasts that they've done, they're saying that they rolled up their sleeves, they went and knocked on doors of of all sorts of people, and they uh, and they got these amendments in. And so the amendments are what we're going to be talking about next. So we are officially on to the VTA section. So the VTA uh, pushed in these amendments and they the vote happened about two weeks ago and it was 31 to 19 and the bill passed. And from there, my understanding is that it's going to continue on and then as it continues on it can be it can be ripped out at any point but if it continues on then the senate is going to have to write their language and then there'll be two corresponding languages and you know if the senate doesn't put it in then you'll have one bill with it in and one bill with it out and then they'll have to fight it out or if the senate puts in something differently uh then they will uh then they'll have to reconcile the two um and so it's still able to be changed. And I played, uh, I played before, uh, which talks about the congressional threat to flavors. Uh, and I'm, I don't think I want to replay it now. It's talking about how um, this new bill creates a means to regulate vaping that has not previously been available to the FDA or any other regulatory agency in the past. So what VTA has put out into the wild is a bill that handles the grandfather date and creates new regulatory authorities over vaping that previously did not exist. And so what it does is it creates a vapor tobacco standard. <laughs> That's all fucked up. What it creates is a vapor 
product standard. Vapor product standard. So some some people are talking about like, oh yeah, why don't we all get together and we're going to have the government regulate us as a vapor product, and uh, that way we'll have the appropriate uh, we'll have the appropriate regulations applied to us. Yeehaw! Let's go, guys. Let's all let's all uh, get them to regulate us as a vapor tobacco product because we're different. Hooray! Hooray! Yippee! Yeah, you're fucked. As soon as you do that, you're so fucked, it's ridiculous. <sighs> if you get to become a vapor product and be regulated under that, yippee, hurrah, hooray. Everything that is in the current deeming stays. You're stuck with it all. None of it goes away. Everything in the final rule is unchanged. You will be regulated under the deeming act as it is now. What's the benefit? Oh, well, the benefit is fantastic. You get a whole new set of regulations that are put on you that the FDA doesn't have the capability of doing now. Ooh, what could be wrong with that? Well, a lot could be wrong with that. They're already talking about going after batteries. Now, oh, everybody's, let's, it's wonderful. We want to be, uh, we want to have reasonable regulations about batteries. Well, you do not want to have that the way it's been written by the tobacco companies. And that's who wrote this. And that is what VTA is pushing. And so when everybody huddles around and says, ooh, kumbaya, let's not insult another vaping industry, another, another uh, group, another advocacy group. We need to all support the advocacy groups. You know, that's what people say. And I get tremendous amounts of fucking grief on it. I get so much grief, I either laugh or I don't want to keep on doing this. Fortunately, I laugh or, or unfortunately I laugh, but if, if they, they want to control the battery, so the battery must be safe. So let's, let's, and I'm, I'm going to go and read the law, but I want to go through it in my head first by my understanding before I actually start reading this thing. They want to, con they want to create a vapor product that vapor product will be available to be regulated by the FDA. The FDA does not resign or give up any of its current controls on vaping that are under the final rule, the rule that we all know about nicotine. All of that stays. However, we get a new vapor product set of rules. The set of rules outlines the first item they want to go after, which is the battery. This was written by Big Tobacco. So they're going to go after the battery. So people go, oh, it's fine, battery. We want safe batteries. Well, if a battery is unsafe, it is unsafe because it is in a vaporizer. Once you can, you have to control the safety of the battery, you, ha you then have control over the entire product that uses the electricity because that electricity can cause a failure at any point. It can cause a, a failure at the coil. It can cause a failure in the point. It can cause a blow up in any number of ways. So every single spot where the electricity touches is now controlled by the vapor product standard that is being proposed by Big Tobacco, which is VTA. 
So if you have a failure at your to, to do a safety test, you have to make sure that coil doesn't snap. And when it snaps, you need to make sure uh, that your device is going to have a, a thing uh, where it doesn't cause the battery to explode. It needs to have uh, fault protection. It needs to make sure that if you turn the battery the wrong way, that the battery doesn't explode. So every aspect of the electronics is now controlled because of the premise that it's battery safety, because you've created a vapor product standard. And the reason why the FDA has had a hard time going after, uh, if you believe that the FDA is trying to kill the vapor industry, if you believe that, let's, let's, let's uh, start with that. If you believe that the vapor um, industry is trying to be destroyed by the FDA, the first question you have to ask is, why haven't they already done it yet? And the reason why they haven't already done it yet is because they only have this deeming rule. So now you're saying, well, this, this final rule is going to kill the industry because nobody's going to file an application, nobody can do it, and we're all screwed. So it's going to cost $20 million for each and every company to get past the FDA. So we're already screwed. I beg to differ, but let's just say there's we, we agree on the point that they haven't been able to do it yet, and they still seem to be struggling. The reason why, so the FDA can't, has had a problem going after vapor, I think we can agree on that. How do you fix that? How do you enable the FDA to crush the vaporing industry? How do you how would big tobacco be enabled to crush the vaping industry? How how would you do that? Well, one way to do it is to create a vapor product standard and to get the vaping industry to to jump up and down and say we need that and then to have that push through Congress on the backs of voters and then for them then after it's all in and down for them to realize what's just happened to them and and i'm telling you if you if you are regulating the battery you're regulating every bit and piece of where the electricity touches so the the electricity hits the chip it hits the coil it hits it hits everything and and what holds the coil is is pertinent and how that coil is connected through the 510 connector every aspect of this new vapor product standard that is being proposed by vta is controlled now uh it's all the battery means all the hardware now the other thing that people uh i got some grief at that said the senator jumped up and said we're going to be able to control flavors with this new uh, act well right now if you read the law the fda cannot regulate flavors in uh, vapor products because the flavor rules only apply to cigarettes and uh, what they're trying to do, uh, and they'll get a fight back from the cigar industry, they're now saying that little tiny cigars are really cigarettes and close enough for government work. We're going to regulate those flavors too. There'll be fights over that one. But they did not go after vapor flavors because they cannot. They would have to propose a whole bunch of regulations and rules and able to do that. And it will take a public comment period, a 90-day public comment period. It'll take a year before the, those things go in. They'd have to make a, an appeal to uh, that it's an emergency that they, to get it faster than those 14 months or whatever it is. Um, so all of that, they can't do it. And they haven't even tried. And and if they're going to make in a case for an emergency appeal to get the flavor thing in through the, the only way you can regulate the flavors is to have a tobacco product standards that specifies that. And to, to get a tobacco product standard, you have to make, you have to go through all the hoops and whistles. And so, uh, as I said, back on the show with Kevin, uh, back in 2014, uh, back around, uh, April, uh, April, maybe May 10th, 
maybe three years ago. As I said, it's good to be tobacco. They can't ban you. And that's because this law, the Tobacco Control Act, grandfathers in tobacco. It, part of the thing that why the health groups hated it is because it establishes tobacco as a product that will be sold forevermore. It just, the, the whole approach of the Tobacco Control Act is that it doesn't make it worse. It doesn't make it, um, no worse products can be put out there. So I know the Tobacco Control Act. I, I think it's I think there's achievable results. I think that if people work together, we can get through it. I've read the thing. I I, I don't just accept what what people say. I I've I, I've been been funding a little startup out of my bank account called Via to try and get that done. I believe on all that. So now, what is going to go and screw all that up? What I've been working on for you know several years now. VTA, the vapor. Technology Association decided that we needed this predicate change so much through this agricultural bill that gets renewed every two years. So by the, it, there's a chance that you'll create a vapor product standard uh, and then that standard will remain. However, the grandfather date change won't come about. Uh, they'll, they'll remove that. And who knows what horse trading will happen uh, when they write the laws two years from now uh, because pockets are lined and, uh, and, and trades are done in, when they, in these committees. Um, and that's part of what they call effective government, this, this horse trading. So we could get horse traded out. We can lose the grandfather date in two years and be left with the vapor product standard. Vapor product standard, they can go after flavors. And why would big tobacco be interested in flavors why would big tobacco when they i think that big tobacco uh has flavors for their products I, i'm pretty darn sure i've seen a views commercial on tv where they have flavors well yeah i think they do why if they're using flavors would they be against flavors at the same time because i think the reason why is big tobacco wants the set of flavors in the universe of vaping to be a set of about 20 different items, 20 different flavor profiles. And then everybody would have to make a version of that because they, the, big tobacco can't, can't match the, the wide spectrum of different flavors out there. It's like McDonald's. McDonald's can put out their burgers. It's a reasonable burger. It's going to work. The Views is a reasonable product. It's going to kind of going to work. But, you know, if all of the other restaurants in the world that sell, you know, gourmet burgers have a better product. And what Big Tobacco wants to do is make everybody make McDonald's burgers. And, and you can have that McDonald's menu and that's it. You can't have any of these other innovative flavors. You, you, you're, you kill the chefs. So when, and I still don't know why, I still don't know why people have, there's a video that I put out and it says that, the, that this new law, the creating the vapor product standard. So VTA is creating a new standard it's not a tobacco standard. It's not a nicotine standard. It's a vapor product standard. And the vapor product standard can have any things like flavor bands and other things applied to it. And they will be able to control the hardware if you believe uh, that they're going to, well, it's not if you believe. They will control the hardware if they control the battery. 
every the battery touches everything in the hardware. If they control the battery safety, you control every bit of the system that the the battery touches. It just that's a fact. There's no other way to do it. You can't say I've got a battery, I'm holding it in in my hand, and you know that's battery safety. It has to be battery safety when inside the device. They control the device. VTA is proposing to give a new vapor product standard that controls the hardware. And so, why am I upset? Well, because I've been saying, obviously, that the FDA can't do this currently. They can't go after hardware. VTA is giving them an in. They can't control hardware. I've been saying they can't go after flavors. Well, VTA's amendment says they can go after flavors. That's what Big Tobacco put in. And so, what came out over the weekend uh, was the author's of this VTA amendment that they have taken absolute credit for. So the VTA has said, we get credit for this. And everybody says, oh, well, let's give them credit. Uh, There's the new guys on the block and, uh, you know, they just came out of thin air. Uh, You know, nobody knows the heck, you know, uh, some guy named Tony Abound uh, is on the... uh, is on the board. Uh, nobody knows who the fuck this guy is, but uh, somehow the whole industry wants to embrace this guy. Um, you know, you may like me or dislike me or whatever or not, but I think you should expect that, you know, uh, I am a vapor. Uh, I think that that I'm telling you I'm trying to create a business in the vaping industry. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you a whole bunch of different things. If You may disagree with me, but I don't think you're going to disagree that I'm, I'm a vapor and that I'm interested in this product and the support of this product. I don't think you'll do that. I don't think you could do that. I dare you to. But who the fuck is VTA is what I want to know. And, and here's my dilemma. As I said earlier, I really like Patricia Korkovic, uh, whatever their last name is. I, I think she's good. Uh, she works, used to work for Big Tobacco. And I, I think that she now works for Halo, and that's fantastic. Uh, I mean, she left Lorillard uh, when when Blue was sold. She's on the board of ETA. And then there's another guy, I don't know his name. There's uh, uh, there's another guy that does the tobacco-free nicotine. And, and I'm just going off of memory. Everybody else is just tobacco. Um, and I don't know who they are. But there's a couple of good people on there. Obviously, TFN could be a total solution. Who wrote the bill? Let's read it. <laughs> so I'm going to read off some cigar names. And so you're going to think that cigars are, are fine. Well, cigars and tobacco, cigarettes, they work together. There they there are different products and different lines, but those guys are work together. So if you've got the cigar industry supporting, you don't know what, what trade-offs have been done to support the cigarette guys. So if you see just the cigar guys all by themselves, that's fine. But if you see the cigar guys and the tobacco guys at the same time, then you have to think that they're working together. The, the cigarette and the cigar, you have to think they're working together, good old friends. Um, cigars are obviously safer than cigarettes because it's not a it's not a pre-processed homogenized goo of a chemical concoction that cigarettes are. But here here are the VTA the, the VTA bill that creates the vapor product standard, which enables the FDA to regulate vapor products in whole new ways that will fuck you over more than you can possibly fucking imagine. Is written by. The Cigar Association of America, the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers, Swedish Match, National Tobacco, General Cigar, 
the Vapor Technology Association, Altria. Ever hear of Altria? Altria, Altria, Altria Services LLC, RAI Services Company. Never heard of RAI Services Company? That's RJR Reynolds. Convenience Distributor Association, okay, that's the people that sell all the junk. Pipe Council, Swisher International, and the National Association of Tobacco Outlets, NATO. So uh, let's let's read what this thing says. I've described it. Um, blah 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 blah. Jurisdiction of requests. The Tobacco Control Act enabled this. The authority to regulate ultimate under the ceremony. Any cigarette. This has been published out there. I think you can find it on the Casaw page. If you. So here's here's the things that it does. It requires within 20 months of the final date, the FDA promulgate a battery product standard for various vapor products under section 907. So it creates that, that, that the word that the, the, the word of the day is vapor product standards. So vapor products under 907 and the FDA will issue those final regulations by a specified date. New regulations. So the FDA will, will do this within 20 months and, and issue those regulations. So number one from the first bullet point is that this means new regulations for vapor products. So you get that. That's, that's, that's for certain. Then it says permit vapor products to be advertised in print publications only if the publication meets the FDA criteria for an adult publication. So the Vapor Tobacco Association is, is now restricting forevermore and getting, wanting people to agree that you cannot publish uh, in a magazine, um, say like People Magazine or, or any other magazine. So maybe you don't want to, to do this now. Uh, maybe there's no funding to do this. In 10 years, uh, you won't even be able to advertise. So you're giving, it's giving up the right to advertise in magazines that have any general, general audience. And it's... Uh, that's what that's it. then uh, per, uh so vta is marketing this uh to vapors um for the tobacco companies the way that the tobacco companies want it obviously they wrote it they and vta is pushing it to us the, the vapors and they're saying that it's only doing things that that are already knowable uh and if they're already being done so it's no big deal um and so it says prohibit self-service display displays of vapor products except in adult only facilities Everybody should agree with that, right? Well, the whole thing is that I'm wondering is why is that even there? It shouldn't even be there. Um, and and the reason why is that it shouldn't be there is because the Tobacco Control Act of 2009 already has that in there. So you're wondering, like uh, Ed, you're you're being a dick. You know, uh, you're giving these guys grief. Uh, it's just a thing. They're just repeating it. It's exactly the same as what's already in the law. Well, the deal is. Uh, the phone lines are now down. I'm killing them. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. It's already in the Tobacco Control Act, is what people are saying. It's, it's, you're not giving up anything. You're making those Democrats happy. You're, you're giving them a feel good. So the Vapor Tobacco Association is saying, yeah, just, you know, trust us. We'll do this. Well, here's the difference. And, and you know, it, maybe we need to put this on Sesame Street, but, you know, we can say one of these things is not like the other. You think that the, va- that the Tobacco Control Act has something exactly like this. It says, permit vapor products to be advertised in print publications. Uh, oh, sorry. Let me go to the next one. Because uh, there is nothing like that for the advertising. So that, that 
for the first one, it adds advertising bans to vaping that are not currently existing in the Tobacco Control Act. We're giving up rights with this. Uh, whether or not you want to use those rights uh, is a debate. Uh, if it's to, to the vaping industry to use those rights, it's a debate. But VTA is taking away those rights in the name of Big Tobacco. The next thing is prohibit self-service displays of vapor products except in, in adult-only facilities. And anybody that's listening to me that has read the regulations goes, oh, that's kind of exactly the same thing that is in the Tobacco Control Act. So why, why, why are you giving them grief, Ed? Uh, it just says prohibit self-service displays of vapor products except in uh, adult-only facilities. What's the harm there? It's already in the Tobacco Control Act. Well, again, you have to look to see what is being put in by Big Tobacco. And that is the term and the definition, vapor products. There's never been a vapor product before VTA appeared, you know, dropped out of the, you know, just zoomed in on the industry, just, just dropped out of fucking nothing. And here they are, they're, 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 you know, they're getting support from the TSFA and they got all these other people jumping up and down. Uh, uh, you know, there's uh, people, which I'm sad to say are in there. Uh, it's disappointing to me, but I don't know if they've seen this yet. It says vapor products. That's different. Everything else is a tobacco product. That's, we're being regulated as a tobacco product currently. We will not be regulated by anything else other than a tobacco product currently. And the only way it's a tobacco product is if it has nicotine. They have introduced language calling us a vapor product. And once you become a vapor product and have regulations written for vapor products, you then hold a dual citizenship. You are, also, you are a vapor product and you are also a nicotine product. And this gives them the in to do whatever dirty deeds you've ever thought that the big tobacco companies wanted to do to the vaping industry, this gives them that. Thanks, Tony Abound. Thank you for this. Vapor products and that standard is going to be applied in addition to everything we currently have. These are new controls. If you're fine with new controls and knobs and levers and you think that all those things should be topped under our industry, I think you're from Big Tobacco. And that's not just saying that. Because if you look at the bottom, RJR Reynolds, RAI Industries, or whatever the name is, I'm not looking at the second, is RJ Reynolds. Does anybody remember what RJ Reynolds did back with the deeming? I do. I remember that they, their comments into the, uh, the FDA was that they should uh, you know, ban all open systems. That's what RJR Reynolds uh, slipped in uh, back in 2014 if people weren't paying attention. Now they've got Tony Abound and VTA doing their bidding along with Altria on their side going after trying to do this. Am I being an extremist? Am I being, uh, am I being, uh, am I causing undue panic? Have I broken the rules of Silicon Valley, which says only the paranoid survive? No, I haven't broken those rules. Have I broken your rules of decorum to be all super nice and huggy and friendly and say every vaping advocacy group should be treated the same and without uh, any criticism? Yeah. So fuck you too. I mean, I don't care. Uh, I think this is real. Uh, require, keep out of the reach of children for labeling of vapor products, packages, and bottles. Yeah, again, vapor products. 
not tobacco products, require underage sales prohibited language on the, on the labeling of vapor product packages and bottles. Again, the key word, vapor product. They wouldn't need to do any of these amendments if they were doing, if they were said, uh, require under, uh, underage sale prohibited on a tobacco product. They wouldn't have to make that amendment for a tobacco product because it's already done. They've duplicated it and created a new law and a new regulation scheme to be used on vaping. Again, the authors of this, R.J. Reynolds, Altria, cigar companies, tobacco companies, and some fucking shit called the Vapor Technology Association that has just jumped out from everything and says, here, we're going to go and screw with your amendment. And, I, you know, do I sound pissed? Next thing, require nicotine content to be labeled on all vapor products, packages, or bottles. Well, let's look at the law. Now they're saying, well, a vapor product has to mark, uh, talk about the nicotine content. So now they're going after nicotine in the vapor product just to make it clear that a vapor product doesn't have to be have nicotine. A vapor product can be both. A vapor product doesn't need nicotine. So all of the protections have been blown away if this thing passes. Because right now we're standing on tobacco-free nicotine. And then if this comes through, I think they have access to the whole thing. And now you can get the lawyers to come and check on me. And you can have them uh, go through uh, my legal analysis and tell me I'm wrong. I'd be happy to be wrong. Uh, be happy to be wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. Require retailers of vapor products to register with the FDA. Well, now if you have a vapor product, whatever the fuck that is, uh, you have to register with the FDA unless they are required otherwise to do so as a retailer under the state law or as a manufacturer under FDA requirements. Well, there are no FDA requirements for vapor products. There aren't any yet. Um, so... Uh, let's see, date of the application in general shall apply, deemed tobacco products. Uh, these are definitions, I think. Uh, it's saying that they have to do it within product standard and vapor product standards. In general, notwithstanding, blah, blah, blah. Uh, timeline, uh, blah, blah, blah. Vapor product advertising. Um, just think that any, any national magazine is going to have a readership of, uh, of 15% or more of people under 18 every single ma national magazine the, the the criteria is you cannot advertise in a magazine if it has more than 15 percent readership of 18 uh, or less uh, so that's every magazine and then the second criteria uh, that it has fewer than uh, 2 million persons that are under 18 so say you had a magazine that it was being read by a hundred million people and only two percent of them were kids um, you know that that magazine's gone too basically just any national big magazine kiss it goodbye uh, prohibit self-serving things require labels this is just a little more detail of what I've already gone through annual registration they're talking about okay so here's the the key here and it's it's been a while since I've read this I hope I don't look like a jackass for going way too far out on this uh, so I'm gonna read this with you along as used in this act the term vapor product means any combustible product that employs a heating element power source 
electronic circuit, or other electric, chemical, or mechanical means, regardless of shape or size, to produce vapor from nicotine in a solution or other form. Vapor product includes any electronic cigarette, electronic cigar, electronic cigar, electronic pipe, or similar product or device and any vapor cartridge or other container of nicotine in a solution or other firm. The term vapor product does not include any product regulated as a drug or device by the United States and uh, the Cosmetic Act. So, do I see a problem in there for my rant? Uh, yeah, there could be. Um, it's implying that, it, that there is a section there that talks about nicotine. Um, but I do not, I believe, I, I'm looking at it. Or other, It's a debate. I, 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 could, I could debate myself on this, whether it is, it's insisting that you have to have nicotine in it. And so, does it go after zero nick? Um it might exclude zero nick. Um, so there it is. The, the, here it is. It's creating a new vapor product. And that vapor product means that it has nicotine. And if it has nicotine, they are able to control it as a vapor product. And they can do things that are not currently in the rules for tobacco product. It's another set of laws. So let me summarize that. The problem with VTA and this amendment to the bill is that the grandfather date is not necessarily the biggest, bestest thing ever. There's a lot of people that have been totally wrong that saying that uh, the, the cost of a PMTA is going to be prohibitively expensive and nobody will ever be able to do it. All the products are going to leave the shelves. There's enough of the bigger companies out there that are saying that we can get through this by ourselves. There, there's an other chances that the grandfather date can be changed again or dropped out of this bill after two years. And what I've said is that if you do change the grandfather date at this late juncture, that the FDA can go after you in ways that they are not going to do. In other words, if you rip out the section on the grandfather date, the FDA is going to go, well, you know, obviously uh, the way that we were going to use our discretionary ability was premised upon this grandfather date. Now uh, you've taken it out. We're going to go after you harder. Uh, and that's where I was saying that uh, Bill Godshall has said that if you change the lettering of the font and the color of your packages, that that would become a brand new uh, substantial equivalence uh, uh, pathway. Um, so let me just say it straight and, and boil it down. If the grandfather date is changed, the FDA can be so cantankerous and onerous and just being a stick in the mud on the way that they take the applications that everything that you thought was grandfathered suddenly becomes a substantial equivalence test. Rather than it being grandfathered, they're going to tell you that you can sell it, but you, you're going to have to do an SE report on it because you've changed it just enough to where it, you need to file an SE. They, they can do all sorts of things. That's where we're at today. The Vapor Technology Association is a new group spun out of whole cloth from who knows where, landed on us, and 
has a few people on their board and a guy named Tony Aboond out of Chicago. I think that's where he's at. And, uh, and they are, are proposing a new regulatory scheme to be applied to the vaping industry. It's not based on tobacco. It's not based on nicotine. It's based on electricity. Anywhere where the battery touches with electricity is now part of a vapor product. The vapor product, if it contains nicotine, can have new controls put on it. What are these things that are happening that are new that are not in the Tobacco Control Act as we know it? Well, the first thing that VTA is going to do is uh, destroy advertising in magazines forevermore. You know, some of you are probably thinking, I don't really care about advertising in a large magazine. Well, you know, 15% uh, readership by a survey of people that are under 18, if you got a high school around your magazine shop or whatever, you're going to have, if they do a survey, 15% means just about every single magazine. That's, that's something that the FDA doesn't have now, but is enabled by the Big Tobacco Bill amendments. And that the Big Tobacco Bill Amendment is otherwise known as the VTA Amendment, the Vapor Tobacco Association, Big Tobacco. That's what's going on. Now, if Tony or VTA, the Vapor Technology Association, wants to say that this is not the case, well, then bloody do it. Then bloody do it. Because I see out there on social media, I, I don't see where you're saying, oh, you know, I, I put out a video, there's enough people that have looked at it. I, I don't, I, I see your evolution poster, which is just a silly thing, uh, going from a mutant chimp into a, a raging lobbyist within four months is the evolution of ETA. Uh, I mean, if you are saying that it doesn't do this, explain how this vapor product standard, which you were proposing in a bill that has been worked on for a couple of years, well, about a year and a half now, how your amendments do not create a new standard and explain how this ban in magazines is something that already exists anywhere. That's a new thing. That's a new regulation on this industry. So I don't think I'm wrong, and I don't think that VTA is explaining it in any other way. And, and so what are these other things that it, it, the whole creation of a battery standard gives them access to every aspect of vaping hardware, and, and it's not there currently. And, and the entire vapor product standard creates new regulatory powers. And so, uh, I didn't set this up, uh, but I, I want to play the audio of what was said. So I, I think that people are confused at this point. They've probably heard me talk too much. However, if you're in the industry and you started this thing, I hope you're still here. And when I mean that, I mean I hope you're still here in two years. I got, I got to find the right tape here. We're, we're, we're talking about the VTA amendments that were written by RJR Reynolds and other associated tobacco companies with the kind assistance from Tony Bound and the VTA and uh, the, this criticism has been out there and as of yet they haven't responded to why uh, the amendments are being described as a means to ban flavors so uh, 
we can talk about the batteries and the batteries gives them into all the hardware and uh, you can listen to me or you can listen to what the people putting out the bill say and let's just I'm just gonna play it I won't even comment on it after it's done here it is this is what they say the the VTA amendments do okay, Mr. Cole and Mr. Bishop and others here uh, I support FDA regulation of these products and this amendment calls for FDA to move swiftly with a number of consumer protection standards including battery safety marketing restrictions to protect our young people and new labeling requirements like a keep out of reach of children the amendment does not obstruct in any way FDA's authority to regulate flavored products which the agency has said it intends to do by requiring FDA to move more quickly in implementing these safety standards this approach constitutes a drastic departure from that taken by this committee last year addressing many of the valid concerns raised by a number of you in this room <clears throat> some of the agaprobes bill last year regarding the marketing of these products to children and to youth uh, it includes restrictions on vapor products frankly that go further than the FDA's deeming rule and are consistent with the FDA's current treatment of cigarettes. Importantly, my amendment would uh, require the agency to take a category-wide approach in regulating this emergency market instead of a piecemeal approach. That, that means effectively if you found a flavor or something that you thought was particularly uh, you know, um, uh, inappropriate, you could ban it for all these products, not simply handle one product at a time, where literally the product might stay on, uh, uh, you know, that wasn't regulated for years. So actually, in some ways, it enhances and simplifies the FDA's regulatory authority in this, particularly, in this particular area. Content also, and this amendment will also allow the FDA to focus on restricting the use of flavors that appeal to kids. Uh, I believe this amendment now addresses my concern that I had about children, where they don't target children and minors, and therefore I do support the Cole Bishop Amendment. I yield back the balance of my time. Chair recognizes himself. So that is what the people pushing this bill are saying are the capabilities of the bill. I don't need to repeat what it was said. I think it's clear. Uh, they're saying that. And what I'm reading from is the actual law itself. And the law itself creates this new standard of a vapor product. That vapor product has more things on it than not. To this, to this point, uh, nobody has explained uh, from VTA or its co-sponsors, which are R.J. Reynolds and Altria and Associated Big Tobacco Companies, why this language was used for vapor products. What is the advantage to calling them vapor products rather than calling them tobacco products? We know that tobacco products are something that have been used in America as a historical background. There's states that have gigantic industries on it that, that tobacco, even though it's a deadly product, has been protected. And then one of the things, as I said back in 2014, it's kind of good to be tobacco because they can only do so much to you because, you know, the tobacco lobbyists have carved out all of this stuff to try and protect themselves. And 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 even though uh, to, uh, vaping is a gigantically more effective uh, and and much significantly safer item, 
that the anti-tobacco groups have come after vaping and they've come after vaping as hard as they possibly can. And, you know, even though the science has always been on our side, ironically, it's the fact that tobacco, the harmful one, has been protected so much uh, that, that we've been under that shelter. And then so VTA, with the kind assistance of tobacco, big tobacco, seriously big tobacco, the biggest tobacco, R.J. Reynolds, they come in here and then they say, yeah, well, we're having a hard time competing with these their vapor products because they're they're being regulated and they're eating our shit they're they're taking they're, they're cannibalizing our sales so what we need to do is uh there we'll, we'll call them a vapor products we'll create a little association we'll uh we'll control the association we'll call it the vapor technology association and uh We'll get all those fucking morons that are vapors to go and jump along and, and skip along and support this shit. And before they know it, they're going to be regulated under a whole new scheme. I don't know. I, I, I was born and raised in Silicon Valley, and they always saw, said the, only the paranoid survive. And, and frankly, when I'm reading this, and I'm reading uh, that it was written by R.J. Reynolds, you know... I've been paranoid in my life. I don't think I'm being all that paranoid here. I, I think I see it. I think I see it straight. I think the emperor has no clothes. I do not think that the clo that that emperor is. I think that emperor's butt naked, and it's just in my nature to point that out. To not sit in the back of the bus and not say a word is to say something. And I'll blame my grandfather at this point. You know. Uh, he got kicked out of Germany for being an author in the Berliner paper writing in the economics area. I, I, think, he, I think he probably pissed off a few people because uh, back in about 1933, uh, as soon as a new president took power, he was fired. <laughs> I don't know what he was saying, but I have always figured he must have been saying something. <laughs> And they, he was fired so fast that the paper apologized to him, paid out two years of his contract, and we got the shit out of Dodge. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, people get pissed off at me for opening my mouth, but I think it might save my ass at some point. So, if I'm going to be a canary in a coal mine, if you see me fucking running for the door, you might want to think if you want to go that way too. Even more of a roadmap to how to navigate the SC pathway. We are, we are open to that, and please come in with your suggestions. We will do so. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that's all the time we have for this. So, as will I. I, I shall do so as well, uh, and I have that meeting scheduled. Um, it's just a matter of which day it is now and what things I will put into it. Um, so, this is the then, here, now, the show. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a long one. If you've gotten to this point uh, and you are a manufacturer, and I believe that probably only manufacturers would be here listening to this section, I am trying to do a little project called VIA, which is trying to get people to work together. It's called a rock soup method. It's uh, you uh, you throw a rock in a, in a in a bowl of water. You have a starving town, and you uh, try and get the people to toss in what they've got in order to 
everybody uh, be able to share in that soup. Um, I have no doubt that there will be some companies that get past the FDA. I have no doubt that it's going to cost them a lot of money. I have no doubt that uh, if people pool their resources, they can get past the FDA. The last thing he was talking about is in time, there will be a substantial equivalent product definition standard to where all manufacturers will be able to go against. In other words, if it's like what they say it's supposed to be like, you'll be able to get approved. That is years away. Uh, all he's saying is at some point it's going to be there uh, and they don't have enough experience to do it now. But if you guys are interested in, in trying to do this, I have, uh, I've, I've been doing my homework, as they say. I am uh, at this point, uh, the, the final rule has dropped. The people I've been talking to uh, have all more or less said, wait until the final rule drops and get back to us. I'm getting back to you all now. Uh, there is a means to do this, and there's some other companies that are doing it as well. Um, and I am even talking to them. Uh, maybe there's another way to do it that I'm not thinking of and maybe fold it into them. Uh, I'm not adverse to doing that at all. Uh, but uh, if you're interested uh, and your approach is to not just sit there and take it and fold up your industry, um, why don't you shoot me an email and and say that uh, you're interested and let me collect that and then as I go around and figure out what it, what it, what we are capable of doing and what it would be, I will get back to you. So uh, that's an open offer for anybody. My email address is vapingindustry at gmail.com, vapingindustry at gmail.com. Uh, so that's one part of the summary. The other part of the summary is uh, VTA is in bed with big tobacco. They are not denying it. Uh, They're not refuting it. And I would like them to refute that. Uh, VTA has created uh, a, a poison pill into the law. And a poison pill, uh, because it is so nasty that you have to to take the, the, the to get the grandfather date, you have to take the poison pill with it. And unfortunately, because the poison pill is so nasty, if you if you accept the first part, you're dead. Well, that's what I believe this vapor product standard is that was written by the big tobacco companies. And if RJR, who is the author of this thing and is pushing it, isn't big tobacco, I don't know who is. If, if, if people are saying, well, it's not, it's just the vapor technology, it's just this uh, Tony guy and, uh, and, you know, they're, they're really, they're, they're coming out to do a good thing and you've, you've got, uh, you've got uh, the TSFA has joined them and they're, uh, they're working with Sevia, the Chinese, and they're all, they've all got it straight. Yeah, if, if you think that, you're welcome to it. Uh, you know, I'll tell you one thing is that you heard a lot of talk from a lot of people and just ranting and raving and going on to their shows and just just doing this nonstop, talking about labels, talking about IP infringement, talking about uh, fruity flavors and, and and descriptions, all of that, and everybody is in a tizzy 
as, as the final rule is coming closer. And that's the only talk. And then people, these same people on their podcasts are saying, you know, we really got to get this done because uh, this is so very important uh, because, uh, uh, you know, I went to a meeting and I got a wink and a nod and I was told that if I just changed the labels on every single product in the world, as if that's even possible, if I just were able to do that, then the FDA would take, a, take an ease back. Not, you know, and, and then they were talking about, well, you know, if you throw out bottles in a show, if, if you have a show and, and you have a girl that is uh, scantily dressed, uh, that, you know, the FDA is really concerned about this. And this is this whole thing with kids. And, and they have everybody and all these companies and everybody just spinning their gears, spending their effort, focusing on this. And, and, here, and here the final rule drops. And did you see a single thing talking about a vape model? Did you see a single thing talking about a label? Did you see a single thing talking about IP infringement? Not a single thing. And nobody's talking about it now because the real stuff is going on. The real aspects of regulatory compliance. These same people were telling you, we're going to show the FDA that we are self-regulating and therefore the FDA is not going to regulate us at all. They're just going to start it from scratch. The same people telling you about the evil vape models and, and the, the nastiness of shows and the trademark infringement. And meanwhile, as everybody just wasted their time on all of this stuff, the FDA did what it said it was going to do. They enacted the deeming. And the deeming is 95% or more. The final rule is exactly like what they said in the deeming given out on April 24th in 2014. It's exactly the same. And in fact, they've even eased things up, believe it or not. And so... I am confident, absolutely confident, that vaping is a better comparison to a cigarette. And to show that to the FDA that it is public health benefit ain't going to be hard. So uh, the key message here, after all my little pitches, is that uh, for people that are lining up to jump onto the VTA train, uh, you better have them respond to these real concerns. And... Uh, they should come on a podcast and explain to the entire vaping community how the language from RJR is not a, you know, ultimate stab in the back from big tobacco against the vaping industry right at the point when they were least looking. The, the, the gigantic Trojan horse, because in, in a nutshell, VTA i.e. RJR, is trying to create a vapor product standard that will stand concurrently with what everything the FDA is doing. And so once the vapor product standard is created, you have, we'll have two. You will have the standard for a tobacco product, which has nicotine. That's everything we know what they're doing now. And you'll have a vapor product unlike a tobacco product that has nicotine. There's two different things and it's two sets of regulations and they both operate on this industry at the same time. And for that, that deal, for that bargain, all you have to do is sign up and be told that the grandfather Jate will be the biggest panacea that you want and everything will be all perfect after you get a grandfather date change.
And when I look at all that stuff, I see that the FDA's regulatory discretion enables them to effectively, even with that grandfather date, make it just as hard as possible with the grandfather date change. Right now you have them, you have Z Zeller saying he's trying to make it easier. And there was things in that last call uh, that I went through that do make it easier. Now, if you want to sign up to have a whole new set of regulations because of VTA, uh, you can do that. Uh, but I will say that the emperor has no clothes and was sent in by RJR. And if they're not going to defend against it, as they haven't been doing, as, as they've not, if they've not responded to any of this for weeks on end, and, and it's clear that they've listened, if they're not going to respond to it, Tony, Tony Bone, here's a, here's a deal on Tony. Tony called me up and asked to take the VIA name. <laughs> and so he has my phone number. He asked, hey, hey, can I, uh, I want to start this whole new industry uh, vaping thing. Uh, I like your name. Can you just give it to me? I'm all like, uh, I'll, I'll work with you. Uh, would you like to work together? Uh, we'll work together. And he's all, no, no, I don't want to do that. I've got all this total funding. I've got, I'm funded up the yin-yang. And I'm all, well, great. You're funded up the yin-yang. I'm not. So uh, why don't you just absorb me and uh, we'll be able to work together. And he's like, no, no, not. And now I know. Now I know why. But so he just wanted to take the VIA name, Vaping Industry Alliance. So I now know why he didn't want to absorb me because probably, you know, a little shit like me is probably going to point out that, you know, it's RJR that is operating the levers inside of ETA, that they're the one that's dancing Tony a boned like a little puppet on a string. RJR. What could go wrong with using RJR? What could go wrong with inserting RJR into the mix? Anything? Anything? No comment? Not going to say a thing? Stop the overflow!